Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch. When it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? And stop Put your hand in the box. I hold at your neck. The gum drip off. Stop fear. Fear is the mind killer. And fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will it to pass over me and through me. The Duke will die before these eyes and he'll know. He'll know that it is I, man, Vladimir Hartogan, who encompasses his doom. <laughs> Now, I hate to be hyperbolic, Henry, but I want to say that this will be the greatest episode ever recorded of a podcast. I don't know why you think that, and I don't know why you start this. Well, I don't know why you start the show. The people have spoken. They love the chaotic energy of the way we describe the plot points of Dune. They, they love like it. that it jumps from they just something don't in the middle to something in the beginning to something that's not even in book uh, one. Try to read the books. That's yeah. how it feels. <laughs> We're well, heading into what is probably, I'd say, our favorite book. Well, I would say in this book, do several people ask a giant worm man whether or not he has a penis? Not yet. So I don't know if I can actually say Children of Dune is my favorite of the series because of some of those elements mm -hmm. that don't exist in this book. I think pound for pound, this book may have the best combination of all the things I like about the series in one book. Well, good for you. But does it have the mm -hmm. worm man's penis? We gotta stop. Penis. You know what? We're not mentioning him ever again, again. until the end of these two episodes. You mean the tyrant god? You're not gonna mention okay. him again. Um, until I say it. Hello, I'm God Emperor Henry Zabrowski. This is the useless human appendage. Holden McNeely, he does speak. Uh, this series, we're about to jump into, we're about to be covered with the slithering sand trout of Children of Dune. And we're about to be covered in children. We're about to be- Covered in children. We're about to be a little boy and a little girl just trying to make it in this tussle-turn world, but Henry. guess what? <laughs> You're not a little boy. No. You're not a little girl. What? You are millions of years old, bro. And you know how to do everything already, and you don't need to be trained. And guess what? All you do is freak the fuck out of everybody within a 10-foot radius of Yeah, you. this book might as well just be called Lido 2 Blows Everyone's Mind. Everyone's just been like, these babies, these babies having babies. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be weird if Ganema did have a baby because she's eight years old. But let's let's start. First of all, last week, we talked a little bit about Dune Messiah, and we covered what we thought were like major 
chunks of plot in Dune Messiah in order for us to talk about just the concept of prescience. But there's a couple of things we didn't cover that I just want to make sure that we you have to know before going into Children of Dune. Yes. Number one, Dune Messiah, Jessica, Paul's mom. Because remember, Dune Messiah happened 12 years after the end of Dune 1. So we saw like in Dune Messiah, it is the empire. Like they show up when the Maudib's jihad armies show up, when the Fremen armies come, they show up in big massive ships and it's like, and they are terrifying. They come in, they clear everybody out. There should be a whole movie about the clearing out of the many civilizations that they do underneath the guise of Paul's religious leadership in Dune Messiah. Yeah, and to reiterate on this, or, or just to re-ask this question, is this all under his gun, or is this, this is now getting out of his control to a degree? The second book is all about how it got out of Paul's control because he decided to not make any choices about the future because he knew where they would go. Or as Frank Herbert says, when your superhero begins to show his clay feet. I don't know what that means. Um, but what you have to know also about Dude Messiah is that Jessica and Gurney Halleck fucked off. As soon as Paul won at the end of Dune 1, they fucking got out of town because Jessica, as you remember, during there was little seeds during Dune 1 where she was like, Paul's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, he's being weird. I think it's maybe because his pubes are coming in. Right. And I don't know how to talk to boys about that. Yeah. And being you like, know. you got to wax them. Every little boy, when you, when you, my mom took me into my first pube waxing, it was such a revelation. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you first Just went. the one hair. <laughs> You just want me to take the one? Get it off of him. Get off of him. I'm not ready for my little boy to become an adult. It's like, I'm 17, mom. You're just, yeah, you're like holding your knees and like rolling around on the floor. Get my one here. Um, this is great. Jessica can't come back. So she hasn't been there for a long time. Yeah. So Doom Messiah happens, which we talked about last time. We did, we talked a little bit about Bijaz, my favorite character in the world. The um, we know that Paul has left the the world as we know it he went to the desert because he was blinded by the stone burner no name and i've been out there Man, in the rain that's a good fucking video dude <laughs> that song playing but played with like fremen instruments with blood like america's driven, you know yeah him with down the, his, from one his eye strip sockets. of ragged cloth yeah. covering his blind eyes with his ripped fucking still suit on with being like went to the desert on a horse with no name make it <laughs> somebody make it send it to me this is how got it. He'll retweet it. He'll do it twice even. Uh, I, if I have to. So he's gone. That's the end of Doom Messiah. Everyone's just like, oh, I guess things will be chill now. Because what Paul thought he was doing at the end of Dune Messiah was he was beginning the descent of the Godhead. He was trying to destroy his own nature as a Godhead because he still felt like this was this happened around me. I've always been just a guy. Yeah. And in Frank Herbert, the, he talks a little bit about this too in The Maker of Dune. He There's like a collection of essays about Frank Herbert. And one thing he talks about in that book is the end of Dune Messiah where Paul just thought that without controlling everybody, Everyone can look up to his behavior as like this, like super chill, uh, super chill, uh, which he's not, which is funny because he thinks himself as super casual. You know, he's yeah. one, Paul's one of those guys who's been like, I, you know, I'm just not a drama guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy, but they don't understand. No, you're a mentat warrior godlord that can see the future. So that's why people come at you with a little bit of hesitancy. Yeah. That's a little bit of an edge to them. Because people always being like, because you know with Paul, is that even if he's just sitting there like inwardly looking, doing right. whatever, you 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 like, he was like, I don't really want to interrupt. Um, Madib, ah, 
lunches here. Do you want? It's like, going to be a tuna sandwich. It's good. Yes. Fuck. Yes. You, you actually is. ordered it, though. That's you did you order it. Yeah, that's what you ordered. That's impressive. <laughs> you don't know what I see. <laughs> so he thought he could just lead by example and everyone would like snap into place and be able to like live by the example of Paul and be good people. But the jihad went without him and took over the whole universe. Quote unquote, made him a god. He still he did nothing to stop it. That's so jihad. Because he felt he got locked into this line of thought by prescience. So the last episode, again, Paul saw all avenues of how the future was going to go. And so what he decided to do was choose an existing avenue in time, walk it exactly in order to get what he thought was the most humane ending for all society. Which is a self-sacrifice, becoming, become stinks blind. Become stinks blind, and then he becomes, the, he gods no more, everybody will learn their lesson. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. Yeah. We are now at Children of Dune. Okay, cool. That, those were the missing plot points up until Children of Dune that yes, we needed to cover. Okay. We're now here at Children of Dune. Oh, also years. remember, another thing you do know, Princess Irulan got to fall in love with the twins yeah, when he had his two twins. So Princess Irulan is in pocket now. She was out of pocket in the beginning of Dune Messiah. Now she's... She got Medicaid and she's now she's in back pocket. In, oh yeah, she's, she's in line. She likes the twins. So the twins have been born... Everything's gonna be cool. Cheney is dead. Ugh, no one really cried over that. That oh, kind of no, just happened. It's really fine. Whatever. She's whatever. Yeah, but now me. we're here at the beginning of the Children of Dune. There you go, Children of Dune. Interesting entry point. I will say that it's just it feels very volatile in a way that I feel like the book series never felt before. Like there's just a lot of people and a lot of opinions Ooh. all at once happening right from the get go. In Dune Messiah, it starts off with like this in house sort of plot there's a plot against paul right where you've got one of the space guild navigators of the face dancer Sightail, and the reverend mother the old reverend mother they're all kind of kibitzing and trying to figure out ways to flip paul from the inside they're trying to stop a messiah by trying to make a messiah kill himself or, or be murdered many different ways um and he's paul manages to snake his way through that the way we're going to see here is that the empire is now spread even farther over eight years. So now this is 20 years from the end of Dune 1. We have our two children, yes. Leto 2 and Ganema, and they are fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, Leto 2, very spry. He's w somehow weirder than Ganema. His sister Ganema, she's got all the, the energies of Chaney, right? Everyone keeps bringing that up. Or they keep, it's that weird thing where people like you just describe. Like your mother, yeah. You just never like change. your mother. You'll always be your fucking mother. But that's how it is. You get locked in. <laughs> but these kids are being super weird. Yeah. And nobody can handle it. That's what we're left with at the end of Dune. So we, I remember the beginning scene of Children of Dune is Stilgar who's now around, right? Because he dealt with all of the bullshit that went Stilgar down in Dune Messiah. is the leader of the... You don't have to explain. It's too late for them if you don't know who okay. Stilgar is. Um, Stilgar is a... I could have said it in one sentence. It would have been over. I won't allow him to have the it. The amount of time it took you to stop me from explaining who he is was the same amount of time it would take to They already know. They have to know. <laughs> Stilgar had to go through a lot of shit during Dune Messiah. Because, again, he had always kind of been struggling with his idea that he went from Fremen leader to, like, commander of all of these, like, being a big-time five-star general of the intergalactic fucking never-ending armies of the Godhead, right? And he's still kind of rolling that around in his brain because he's still, like, caveman lawyer, which has been like, 
I still remember when there was just rock seats. Yeah. And now there's there's rock seats that fly. Yeah. And he has to deal with it. Because in the first 12 years uh, leading up to Doom Messiah, they killed a lot of fucking people. And they were really scary and they had a lot of power and they had a lot of inertia rolling in. But by Children of Dune, they are now a permanently established theocracy. Mm-hmm. So in this world... They are, uh, it's, they're not colonizing planets anymore. They are like essentially becoming the staple religion of the entire universe. So what you're seeing is the split up, the beginning of Children of Dune, of the Fremen armies and the actual religious leaders. It's starting to really, really splinter. So Stilgar, at the very beginning, his main job is that he's supposed to watch over these twins because Aaliyah, Paul's sister, is gone fucking nuts she's completely in charge of everything um but she has become highly highly dangerous but his job is to look over these twins and he, i love this the beginning scene is him looking in with a flashlight because he got all these like sensors now around the ch they can tell if something large moves god forbid ed larson have to go to the bathroom and oh my lord um but he's looking at the twins and then every night he looks at the twins and he's being like is tonight the night i should kill them mm. uh, and he rolls at his head because he's like if i kill them i can end everything but it's against everything i've ever known but at the same time two little stick stick would make this whole shit fade into the background because these kids are fucking they're seven years old and the beginning of this novel it shows that jessica is finally coming back into town all it took was 20 years of her son being quote unquote like the king of everything and I guess that's why I say things are volatile because the second Jessica shows up it's like shoot 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 like just you know immediate shit assassination into, yeah yeah like oh yeah there's a many things there's all this shit happens at the very very top because Jessica she went back to Caladan She's been chilling Caladan it's been nice she has been like you know Caladan's got all the, the, the lakefront views that's right. where their lake houses or whatever bullshit there's rumors whether they've or not a, they've got a really a huge library of danielle Steele books a huge like you know that weird collection where you go to a lake house where it has just like it's just the movie house guest yeah um a farmer's almanac that's from it. 1967 yeah no a foosball table no ball you have to go get a ball that's where she's living on Caledon. but actually i think it might be nicer than that it might be like one of those nice big bad cabins oh okay uh but then she's kind of living with gurney halleck which is a sort of like are Weird. they fucking? Are they fucking? Are they? Are they? Are you? Okay. See? Is this That's the question. Right. So That's the question. Everyone's question, asking, question. are they fucking? We don't right. know. Will they? Okay, so they're having a will they won't they moment right now. Oh, and yes. a lot of people are having a will they won't they moment with uh, Leto 2 and Ganema because everybody wants these kids to fuck. We're going to get there. I know. Um, and it's actually, um, it's not good. But now <laughs> Jessica is in Cal and she's coming back after 20 years. She's yeah. coming back to Arrakis. People are saying... What is she coming back as, right? Because now we're in the fun world. Children of Dune does get very complicated. Yes. What is she coming back as? She is, is like, she coming like, back? Is she coming back as an ally? That's what I'm saying. Is you she know, coming back as a secret enemy? Aaliyah yes. knows that Jessica's coming back. She has fully gone back to the Benny Jesuit. We know that because yes. when she left, technically she was not an active Benny Jesuit after she joined the Jihad. Right. She kind of was no longer publicly affiliated with the Benny Jesuit, which is the same thing. Why the she Reverend Mother her dues. They took her card back. It all lapsed. You know, you don't get the pizza she discounts these, anymore. Yeah, you don't get the get movers the discounts. She the hurts any, discounts. Any witch screeners. None that of that. Either. No screeners. <laughs> so she was, but yeah, so she's not in the Benny Jesuit anymore. 
now she is calling. So she's calling back to town, but that's what everyone's asking. She she kind of has folded back into the Benny Jesser. They've been taking meetings, but what everyone is concerned about is she coming back to just because there's some people saying she's just coming back to check in on her grandbabies. Totally. She hasn't seen her grandbabies yet. She hasn't seen her grandkids. Uh, yeah, and uh, Aaliyah's like she's coming back to take power from me. But also, everybody knows when Grandma comes into town, she's going to try to make some changes. She's mm-hmm. going to be like, "Oh, the nursery. Oh no, she's look asserting right. some dominance. The, you know, I don't like the way you're you're feeding them. They need to be exercising more. We got to change the palace around. Like, she's definitely going to have some changes. The thing too, though, Jessica doesn't just yet know is that Aaliyah has also gone fully to Baron Harkonnen well, and this is a total abomination. That's also a total spoiler. We're getting, we're rolling in, we're rolling in. Um, so the kids, they are talking to each other at the beginning of the novel. And um, again, they are seven going on a million. So their shit is like, they know everybody's business. They're already saying, we think Aaliyah is abomination. Now we will explain abomination. Abomination, remember, is the someone is possessed by one of their past lives. Well, you just mentioned how the kids know everything. They have all the memories of their ancestors. Well, it's the idea that one of those ancestors has stepped forward yes. and has taken total control over a person's body. And they are trying to see, they're saying that it is happening to their sister, Aaliyah the Knife, who has become sort of, she's called, she's in charge of the regency, which is, she is essentially the king, she's the queen of everything and is the official bloodline of the Atreides family and mixed with her imperial holdings and shit. Now, why can't she, honest question, why can't she just kill these kids and just, and just why can't I kill these kids? Yeah, why um, can't she just, just do that and move forward and tell Jessica to go fuck herself and not let her into the palace? Because she still needs their bloodline. Okay. She knows that if they die, this is a, a question that doesn't really come up at the in the book, yes, but in my mind asked. is yeah, that yeah. it would probably cause a massive crater in Civil War, which is, the, the it does start to go that way. Right. Uh, yeah, um, I guess I guess the jihad if they found out that Paul's kids got yes. got killed, they'd freak out. Yes. and revolt. But the kids are talking about Aaliyah. They don't know. They know that she's getting weird. They don't know what it was because their main question is like, why aren't we like her? Why aren't we abomination? Because yeah. people are already assuming that they are abomination. That's also one of the another side plots of the Benny Jessrid of Jessica coming back is Jessica is she coming back to check to see if all of them are abomination because technically they're all supposed to be put to a trial of possession it's by the Fremen of, and they can be put to death. It's yeah, the opening sections of the book are a lot of just Jessica having individual conversations with different characters. Set meetings. Trying like, to just figure out, exactly. It's like your first trip out to LA, right? You're having taken a bunch of meetings. You don't know where any of it's going to go. You're trying to figure out who's secretly evil. It's exactly and how it's it goes. And it's 90% of people are secretly evil. <laughs> the kids realize they don't think that they are abomination because they've never entered into spice trance. Yeah. They have only been soaked with the, the loads of spice when they were inside of Cheney's belt. They know for sure they haven't been taken over by Baron Harkonnen because they're kids and they'd probably just be constantly groping their own genitals. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, but Aaliyah also can't see the future. That's why she needs the kids. That, I want to say that's the really okay. big hook yeah, of why she needs the kids. Yes, because she's she still the prescience. She is desperate for prescience. Aaliyah the Knife is now, she's very torn yeah. also with this Her very beginning. queen of the damned phase. She's very Natalie and Bruglia. <laughs> she shows up. She is very, like, she's obviously a capital B bitch. She's yeah. very, very she mad. She's a lover. Yeah. She, she just, well, she had Duncan Idaho. They immediately got married. She wants to use the twins to see the future for her uh, at some point. Uh, they know, no, because they're the main theory is that Paul was one lifetime too early. 
And Aaliyah has this sort of like bitter younger sister energy where she's like, I didn't ask to be born because that's her thing. She's like, this curse was put on me. Now that I'm struggling with all these ideas of everyone says I'm abomination. Everyone says I'm this. Everyone says I'm that. Meanwhile, she is fighting her own abomination inside of her. That's what I love about Children of Dune 2 is that it does a really good job of jumping into the perspective of all the various characters and their inner struggles with their plot lines yeah. that they're like kind of forced to do. And things are a lot more dynamic and less like set up to convey. It, it feels like, th- it does feel like the plot and the character motivations seem more seamless and inherent than in the past where, where things are more set up to like get to the next plot point or get to the next philosophical well, you just, concept. You, you also like, it's illustrating this idea of like this concept of prescience. And the old view of prescience, Paul's view of prescience, which is you're locked into fate. Like you're locked into doing these certain actions against your will. But Children of Dune is a little bit more of a window in like watching someone do all of these things they feel they have to do. Mm-hmm. But it's they they know that all of the outcomes are so crazy and so wild that they, they're so afraid of how it's all going to turn out. Like you feel their hesitancy being pulled through the future. Like Jessica, when she's on her way back to Arrakis, it's been a while. She's like basically says, oh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I've never been so tired from space travel. And I love that it's now it's time to go once more into the dragon's mouth. Uh, she shows up and there's this thing called the Society of the Faithful, which is Aaliyah's religious secret police yeah they have fully solidified into a warrior class like the priests and all this shit have like they've ran amok they everything is completely controlled by the religion now and even like the fremen people are sort of subjugated to this they first were like they were like we were the vehicles of this religion but now we're like the subjects of this religious government Mm -hmm. jessica as soon as she shows up she sees the, the new palace on Dune, which is he calls his Sietch above the sand. It's the biggest building in the universe, which I just love the concept of. Like I started watching the Children of Dune miniseries, but I don't see a very small palace. In that yeah, and the way that it's, it's described, it's like kind of impossibly huge. It it's takes forever to so, get around. So it's the size of like many cities. Like yeah. they said, like whole cities can fit inside well, and it. And it definitely reminds me of even our mo- like the meccas that exist on our earth in our time and yes. how they need to be these larger than life things or even like just going to the vatican and and it, like the whole point is it has to be so grandiose for you to be like oh this is where god lives that's you know? the idea i think mm-hmm. and he really set that up for himself but maybe he didn't because paul by the end of dune messiah he's just like letting everybody do whatever the fuck it is they want to do like he's just feel like you y'all do your bullshit i guess you can worship me or whatever so this thing just like built around him but ali is super fucking into it yeah yeah it's uh for sure it's like paul was like buddha and ali is like any pope or cardinal Essentially, like leans into oh, yes. the massive riches for sure, which is which is just very, I think, off-putting immediately for Jessica. You you know they try to kill uh, right when she gets there. This is a thought that encapsulates the big the feeling of what's happening on Arrakis. The Fremen must return to his original faith, to his genius in forming human communities. He must return to the past where that lesson of survival was learned in the struggle with Arrakis. The only business of the Fremen should be that of opening his soul to the inner teachings. The worlds of the Imperium, the Landsrad, and the Chome Confederacy have no message to give him. They will only rob him of the soul, 
and that comes from a man called the Preacher. Uh huh. So you're gonna hear oh, this. Who he, is this Preacher? There is a rumor <laughs> about a Preacher is, from the desert, a blind dude coming back. So but we're gonna get it. We'll get into his actual intro. The, I know. I just it's the funniest thing in the world that they're like, "Is he Paul? I don't know. I don't know. He's blind Maybe. and in the desert. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's just like so. Like I, I, I genuinely wanted to ask you this question before we move on. Like, were we at any point actually supposed to think that this blind preacher living in the desert was anyone other than fucking Paul? We'll find out. I honestly <laughs> think that what Frank Herbert does is that if he doesn't say it. You're not supposed to know. Yes. So we're all supposed to go, okay, okay, okay. who's the blind oh, Until man. he says it, and then <laughs> you go, <her>. okay. <laughs> um, so Jessica shows back up. She's in town. The big party's set for her. They're like, they're gonna do a big convocation. Aaliyah, you know, she be like, hi, mother. Like as soon as they see you, they have like super immediately tense Immediately off, yeah. Oh nothing, yeah, Jessica's like, completely wrong. you're abomination. Yeah. <laughs> like she knows immediately she's abomination. We're gonna have to deal with this. She goes out to the crowd. And I, I love the idea of like the whole crowd just goes, Yes, yes, they yes. It's like a sandworm, which yeah. is over with the fucking sweet. It's got a feel for like, what a fucking rush. Did they do that in the show? What? What? The, the, sass. no, yeah. More deep, more uh, deep, <laughs> more deep. Favorite. I was like, I want to be in a crowd screaming more deep. And so the idea is she goes up there to kind of see where her allegiance is. Cause then everyone goes like, all kneel in the face of the Lord, the mother of your God. And then they all kneel and she sees who hesitates. Mm. And she doesn't, what people don't know and what Aliyah didn't know, she already worked out with Stilgar and with Gurney Halleck, who shows back up with her, that anybody that is like fucking around, even hesitant, we're taking and we're gonna start questioning them down. She just she comes and puts a hammer down. Yes. Because she already knows things are fucked up on Arrakis. Mm -hmm. And there are plans within plans within plans already happening in the palace worlds of Arrakis because they are struggling with the fact that they're the people are not happy. The people are being pushed farther, farther, farther down. They can tell someone that is is behind the wheel that shouldn't be to mm -hmm. a certain degree with Aaliyah well, and the whole place has just become this like bloated uh, especially on Arrakis yeah. like where they all live it's just become a very different place than what the Fremen were ever uh, born to be used to and it's different because now the planet's half terraform so this is the quote a quote from Doom Messiah that I really wanted to read because it's perfect for this exact point Empires do not suffer emptiness and purpose at the time of their creation. It is when they have become established that aims are lost and replaced by vague ritual. That's what he we're entering. In. It's kind of like how, um, you know, I used to show up with a suit to do last podcast. <laughs> like back in the day, yeah. I used to come in with the suit. We right. used to like when we the doorman, we'd give him like be like, how you doing, sir? Now we roll in with our athletic jeans on. Right, right. Oh, 100%. God, it's the same fucking shit. Honestly, though, it is funny how like when you, you, you can tell the difference between somebody who's having you on their podcast, they just started versus having you on a podcast they've been doing for fucking years because mm -hmm. the podcast they've been doing for years, like it's tight, we get in, we get out. The podcast they just started, they're always just like, we're chilling, right? We're grooving, right? You're talking we're about us? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting used to new shows. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about, you know. Um, so they meet all the priests. Jessica meets all these new priests that are also, and they all think that Jessica's gonna be so excited to go with them to do all of these like religious bullshit. But it's just hard to say like, be like, your God came out of my vagina. 
You know what I mean? Like, I am the mother of your God. So you all treat me like with veneration. But weirdly, because I'm not of the priest class, too, at the same time, and because Jessica is a Bene Gesserit, she also is kind of viewed as an other, which is this total... I think that is the symbolism for how far things have separated from reality, where the religion is now cooking on its own. It doesn't need the Godhead anymore. Like kind of Paul did sort of do what he was supposed to do. And they don't worship Aaliyah, right? They worship. No, they worship the memory of of Maudib and what he was like the the quote unquote, like superhero version of him that he is actively trying to discredit or he was actively trying to discredit at the end of Dune Messiah. But it, it went on without him anyway, which is what he knew. Well, he said that in Do Messiah. He said basically said, if I die, it continues on with my sister. If my sister dies, it'll continue on with just our memories. Yeah, so it's like when you Jessica. have a big birthday party one year, right? And then you realize because you're like standing back and just watching the party happen. And you're like, people, don't, they don't even need me here. They don't even need, oh yeah, this, this is just, I just am a facilitator. It's like a wedding, right? It's not for you. No, no, but that's what's also kind of nice because then it takes the pressure off. <laughs> but the religious people are like, well, you were going to come do all these ceremonies. Do you want to come with us? So I think it was like the, the lustatorium, like some bullshit. And Jessica's like, I want to see my grandchildren. Yeah. And they all are like, oh, oh how dare you? Oh. Loincloths. And and she's yeah, like, yeah. I'm not impressed by your fucking quote unquote religion. I made it. I rode a sandworm into this palace and killed a bunch of <laughs> people here right. like you all didn't I did because and she picks out one Javid Javid's one of the priests Aaliyah's kind of like one of her like close one of her confidants and Javid the reason why she picks him is because she's like the other one's too skinny he's got a fat and arrestable face like essentially she's like oh his soft features allow him to slide into many different areas Ugh. of the world and then she also is like maybe he's been sliding into some areas inside of Aaliyah right. and she kind of pings him immediately and she's like you Javid are coming with me. You're on my fucking team because I'm keeping you close because I'm going to find out Aaliyah's bullshit through your fat face. Yeah. And Dioc, he's that side dick. He, uh, that's Aaliyah's side dick. Yeah. We're not even there yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but he, she keeps thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, I keep thinking about it. So I keep bringing it up. No, yeah, you're only <laughs> thinking about this tubby man making love to Aaliyah, which honestly, I'm the one who should be thinking about I'm it. just, I got side dick jealousy a little bit. I kind of wish it's like, I'm a tubby man. I was never that side dick. You could definitely be. If you were the high priest of a very dangerous uh, like fighting priestess woman that was on top of a religion, I could right. see her using you. And I'd be like, we worship the elephant's trunk or something. Mm-hmm. Like, Whatever you, know what I mean? you gotta do. Just something in that just gets Because she's gonna kill you anyway, and it's still, you know, you're still going to be a victim. Don't worry. <laughs> Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Cut back to Lido 2 and Ganema, hanging out in the Sietch. When we first saw them, they're like, 
Oh, I guess they're still kind of like babies mm-hmm. because they have this thing where they talk to each other in very ancient languages that nobody uh, else understands. Every sibling has a made up language. But it's like, <laughs> and so that's what everybody thinks they're doing. They're right. all like, oh, cute twin talk. But no, they're talking in like a, a language that's a million year, years old that no one would remember. And when you first kind of see them, they, they get dressed like kids and everybody, they, 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 Aaliyah constantly is pumping them at the beginning of the book. Will you please just act like kids? Yeah. Like, we. I need you to act like kids. This is because you're going to meet your grandmother. Your grandmother needs to think that you're not dangerous. And you need to, like, not fuck with her because your grandmother actually is incredibly dangerous. And you don't know that I'm actually plotting against your grandmother. But my great uncle likes drinking coffee, so I drink coffee. Like, how no, do you know this? Don't. How do you know? <laughs> but uh, they also look at each other. I remember in the beginning, when it was my favorite thing, where the two kids look at each other and be like, do we need to pretend to be scared of our grandmother? Mm-hmm. And the other girl's like, I don't know. I think that she's like, she's trained to like see that we're not really scared. But then Lido too is like, I can pretend to be anything. Because he keeps dropping these weird bombs all the time. Being like, what are you talking about? He's like, I think a lot of things are going to change around here. Worm wise. You're like, what? <laughs> what? 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 No. what? What was that? I don't know. Something about transitioning. We'll see. <laughs> okay, do whatever you want. I mean, I hate the giggle. I don't like the giggle. <laughs> So they are sitting thinking about like they need to go meet with their grandmother and they know. But they have this like scene where Leto too has just been like, uh, I'm just gonna take this balisette and he's like fingering with it. He's like fucking around. She's just like, Do you even know how to play that balisette? And he then searches his memories from something a million years ago and just essentially plays like Baby, we were born to run. It's like, yeah, he's like, Can you do any of his ballads? You and know what I mean? Yeah. That's the power of love. <laughs> what? What? I guess for the Hugh Lewis. So Lido 2's tripping out because he really understands him and his sister are so close. They actually share a brain. And they share a brain so thoroughly that if one of them dies, he says, isn't it exciting that my sister will just live inside of me? Because it's kind of like, you know, if, guy, if Sammy Hagar... Guy Fieri, they're so close to each so other. Tight. But honestly, if one knows that one thing's about to change, and then like things are, they know that things are going to divide up in the future. You know what I mean? Because they know things get weird because all of a sudden, like, you know, guys hanging out with Diamond Dave. Right. I mean, like, okay, he's weird. So like, like Guy Fieri is pulling away from Sammy Hagar. Leto too is beginning to see he is going to have to pull away. He's he's going to have to kind of strike ahead. He's he's even more special somehow than Ganima. Oh, somehow. And he looks out. He's on the Kadem, the inner desert, where it's the last known place of the giant sandworms because they've all been running away. They're all running deeper and deeper into the desert. No one's seeing them. There's forests on Arrakis now. There's full on like forests yeah, put on get top the whole of Sam. Yeah, oh, the it's old. the whole planet is almost completely different. And I do, and he sits and he looks and he says, the great known unknown moves me like a wave. He's very, very, because he's a baby. Right. And he looks at the shit, but he's saying all this fucking cockamamie shit. He's like, uh, what's his name in um, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the baby with the big cigar. He's just like him. <laughs> he's just like him. But his, he just says all this like, weird shit. He's like, see that rock? One day that rock will be sand. I'm actually looking at it while it's sand <laughs> right now. And is like, what? And then he straight up, while he's going through his memories, he's sitting there, he says, I stand between fish and worm. But he meant like, hmm. oh, I'm becoming, I'm going to have to become a man. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. an allegory. That's but totally uh, foreshadowing. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then Ganim is like, uh, you're being a bummer. You're being like dad. She straight up says, being like, stop being like dad. Dad did like, <laughs> dad freaked everybody out. You're doing the same shit. Pretend to be a boy again yeah. for me. 
Uh, they wanted, they realized that he was looking at all the shit. He explains a little bit of what's going on inside of the Children of Dune, like, plot, which I actually did not understand. Sand trout were actually brought to Arrakis from another planet, much like the Fremen. Like, basically what he's saying is, I see the history of all these planets. He's like, even sand trout were not local to here. They were brought here. This planet actually started as a forested, normal, Earth-like planet. Oh, no it shit. wasn't a desert planet. He said the sand trout were brought here, either accidentally or not, and the sand trout themselves terraformed Arrakis into a giant desert, desert planet. Yes, yeah, sucked up all the moisture. They sucked up all the moisture because they don't like moisture, and they changed the entire planet. He now knows what Aaliyah's plan is. Because the whole time, they're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with Aaliyah. What's happening? Something's wrong. The core of everything we believe in, there's like, there's something missing and it's fucked and we don't know what it is. They start to realize like, because the sand trout, they had a natural inclination to become these worms. Okay, so yeah, can you, because for the longest time, I'm in my head envisioning actual trout. No, they're like, they're little baby worms. They call them sand trout. Yeah. But in my mind, I could be wrong, but they're just like, just little, like leechy looking things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're used to be everywhere, but the sand trout, they've been running because the moisture's coming back to the planet. And what they try to see is like, okay, because these sand trout naturally try to become worms, they also naturally kind of read the environment and they know what's happened to them, which is why they are running away from all of the changes that are happening. And he starts to put it all together. And then he's just like, okay, no sand trout, no worms, no spice. Aaliyah is purposely ramping up the terraforming on Dune to destroy the spice. And he doesn't know quite why yet. But it's because she is abomination. Yeah. Abominations inside her. She has this wicked plan. She is ramping up terraforming. So she obviously has something that she will benefit from what, by destroying the, yeah, the spice. Yeah. So we don't, and we're not we'll get, supposed we to. We don't yeah. know that yet. We yeah. don't know that quite yet. But what pops up is Jakarutu. Jakarutu. Which is the secret. It's a Fremen shame. It's a place of bad memory. It's, a, it's just where no one's supposed to talk about what happened in Jakarutu. Yeah. And it kind of comes up because Polito 2 says, like, it's got something to do with Jakarutu. Yeah. And Ganema's like, please, for the love of God, can we just finish this game of sorry? Can we just, like, have an afternoon? Yeah. Just one just night. Just, just one time. Marbles. Any of it. But Lido 2 knows that there's this desert preacher around. Right. And he's like, I got to meet this desert preacher because he just straight up says... I think it's my father. And I want to meet him. Uh, he's blind. He's in the desert. Everybody's he's saying, an old it's guy. a rumor. It's still technically a rumor. <laughs> but Jakarutu, it shows back up because it's on the lips of Jessica and Halleck because that comes back up because when they interviewed all of the people that they were dealing with, all of the people that didn't kneel fast enough at the convocation. Yeah. They would what get if to. One guy just got caught up on his robes, by the way. I mean, he's fucking wrong place, wrong time, buddy. <laughs> fucking fuck. sort out your robes. It's kneeling time. It's just my robes, and I don't know. Just um, this is a no excuses zone. <laughs> I love a no excuses zone. <laughs> I do love a no excuses. Zone. Sort it out. <laughs> there are wrinkle free robes now. All right, it's the year ten thousand three hundred and forty eight. All right, you can fucking get your wrinkle free robes. Every time they interview one of these guys, 
they, I mean, interview, torture. Yeah. They torture these guys uh, for a while. Yeah. Every one of them finally gets about to this like thing where they're like just about to say something and they say, Jakarutu, and then they die. And so they think that maybe Jakarutu may be a thing called a, a heart stopper word, mm. which is like a thing that's implanted in them that if they if it comes up to make it so that they can't ever confess to whatever it is their plans are. That sounds are. like a Bene Gesserit technique. Even. Well, Bene Gesserit techniques were, have been since it was proliferated, then adopted by various cultures everywhere, right? right. Because it's that two-hand, that fucking two-edged sword where it's like you set up your modus operandi on other planets and you think that it's only going to benefit you where sometimes it turns back around and bites you in the ass. She knows, Jessica's hanging out. She knows that something's going on with Jackarudu. She knows some, some fucking sketch. She's got to figure out what the hell that all means. Um, Jessica's also trying to work with Javid, knows that Javid's planning, but mainly Jessica's like, oh my God, I cannot wait to be off this planet. Right. Because she also doesn't really know. We don't know that she's also been pumped for a Benny Gesserit like plot. She is supposed to be doing a Benny Gesserit plot, but she thinks she isn't. But. We'll get there. <laughs> so the preacher shows up. He's very skinny. Yeah. That's the main thing people keep saying is that he's super skinny. And he is a seeing eye boy. Yes. Because he's blind. Right? So Paul could not Paul possibly be the preacher because be the preacher. He wouldn't need a boy. He doesn't need a boy. He can yeah. see the future. So there's no way it's the preacher. Abomination so Aaliyah desperately trying to find a boy. Just wishes, uh, wishes. thirsty for it for yeah. some reason. Screaming Just obsessed for it. She's like, I need help with my eyesight too. I need a boy. They're like, you don't need a boy. Get yeah, a but the thing is, your seeing eye boy is upside down. <laughs> yeah, and in your cloak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a movie where they got like a larger woman has a man in like a bear hug and he's right. eating her out while she's sucking his neck. Right. I've never, you know, I, I'd like to see that. though. Honestly, there were a couple episodes of Red Shoe Diaries on uh, Showtime that got close. But no mm-hmm. cigar. Never. No, no. They never really go to full 69 penetration David in Red Shoe like, I'm ready for it. I Honestly, need to see it. It's a very bad cinematic move because mm. it doesn't look good for many angles. Uh, <laughs> but the preacher, he's wearing an old still suit like the old guys do. Yeah. Like he looks like an old, he's old desert school. dog. He's, he's old, old school. school. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got this little boy. He's doing, he like throws down the cardboard. He's doing like old break, oh, 80s break dances. Oh, yeah. oh, he says stuff like Reaganomics and like, yeah, where's the yeah. beef? And you're like, well, who is <laughs> what? this guy? At Rock. Um, yeah. It's very weird. He's very weird. He's walking through the town square where now they're selling fucking Maudie merch. Right. right. Like Again, now we're at this dude, point. The Vatican. Like that it's is the Vatican. That was one of the most mind blowing things to me was like the merch in front of the Vatican was hilariously ridiculous. A lot of merch. Because yeah. you got it because merch, weirdly, it helps sell an identity for you. Yeah. Because then you can wear your Maudy fucking scarf. You can wear your Maudy adult diaper if you I need mean, to. I mean, there's a red hat joke to make here, but I'm going to just stay it's, away it's just dumb. from it as possible. It just doesn't it's even stupid. matter anymore. Yeah, it's, it's so over. It's over. Um, you can see he gets mad at the merch because number one, he's not getting a cut. Yeah. But he's not Paul. Right. But also be nice to maybe Paul, if they thought, yeah, you know, obviously I am Paul. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously give me, give me. He's the, 100% Paul. But that's what everyone <laughs> says. He yells to the crowd and yeah. everyone's being like, number one, whoever this guy is, because everyone's fighting and doing all this kind of stuff. And he goes, silence. <laughs> and everyone says like, ooh, that's a Benny Jesserit voice. Mm-hmm. And ooh, that tall guy, like he just has a thin gauze mask on. That's the truth too. So it's like the he's wearing the scarecrow mask. Yeah. Which is the easiest mask to see. Have you seen my mask? 
but I've received my mask. And he, everyone's like, oh, that's Benny Jessard voice. Kind of say that mask is up, all. And then, wait a second. He also kind of like acts like he's led tens of thousands of troops into intergalactic murder. Mm-hmm. Like he's like one of those guys, it seems like we have to like hang out. So people are like, tell us, are you more deep? And he's, he goes, oh yeah, am I fucking more deep? Am I fucking more deep? I'm some kind of mod deep here for you. Talking That's to me? what I'm supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. You talking to me? He holds up this mummified human hand, right? And he's like, this is the hand of your God. Which is fucking sweet. <laughs> I speak for the hand of God. I am the preacher. And then he says, he turns to all of them. To exist is to stand out away from the background. You aren't thinking or really existing until you're willing to risk even your own sanity in the judgment of your existence. Which is honestly about imposter syndrome. Yeah. It's just a whole thing where I was just like, oh, no, you're fucking right. Man. You shouldn't have a podcast. No, I need to be better. You should be I sleeping be in the basement better. all day instead. I should be better. I gotta work harder. The preacher's right. I gotta. That whole part where he goes on that diet trap, he's just like, Henry, Henry, Henry with the last name that starts with a Z. Short, short man. Why is short, this bad so man. specific? Yeah, it was so weird. He was just like wearing, you know, an Evil Dead t-shirt. It right? Really, you know, it was just so terrifying. This is a, this is a Tales from the Crypt t-shirt. No, I know, but I'm just... I'm just oh, you're extrapolating. They can't see it. Oh, wow. When they're right. listening, Henry. They don't know what you're Add some doing. reality. <laughs> Add some truth. <laughs> so now we cut to Seleucus Segundus. This is the prison planet uh, with the Sardaukar are fucking being trained. We now know they have a sandworm sitting up there. Oh yeah, that was a plot line from Doom Messiah that was like, the problem with Doom Messiah, the side plot, is that it's to me it wasn't as important as the main plot. But How dare I know, you I know. We're not experts here. Frank We're just Herbert's having fun. Tome. But in that one, the, the Space Guild was trying to figure out how to raise sandworms off of Dune, right, right. so they can make their own spice. Seleucus Segundus, they're like kind of halfway through that. They have like a worm out there, and it's just going like, but it's not shitting out any spice. It's yeah. just on vacation. Which was the side project they did. It was an animated cartoon show called Sandworm Babies. I love it. Love Sandworm Babies. They're making a spice for you. <laughs> They're just like, it's so cute. They're it so is. adorable. <laughs> Uh, so we find Princess, I think it's Wincissia. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Princess Wincissia is Princess Irulan's sister, also described as having very big breasts. Okay. Um, him and Princess Irulan, they are both um very like, there's a lot of sexual tension from Frank Herbert. Uh, is Irulan, does she have? Princess Irulan is hot. She's packing? She's hot. Because he always talks about her ample like body and how she does like slithers and how like it's just it bounces he said something about he said bongo bongo bongos i want to be up in them bongos wow he says that yeah it's like if if technology existed in the world of dune she would do like travel photos and be like a big deal as an princess wincissia yeah princess irulan's now gotten serious because also she has she fell in love with paul when she saw his sacrifice so she kind of is now she's now a member of the house of atreides she actually does believe Oh, okay. She believes in the the vision of Paul and Why all did that I still bullshit. Think she was secretly working against him in this one. She is like the. It's because Aaliyah hates her on the council. Like yes. it's one of those like council drama things because Princess Irulan is still trying to like chime in, and they're all like, "You're barely a real wife," and you're like, "It's <laughs> a lot of drama." Um, so Princess Princessia is trying to get back in House Carino, which is the house family that it was the former empire, right? The former emperor. The House Carino is still alive and well. 
And they're on Seleucus Segundus, and they're trying to figure out, how do I get fucking back? And Karina yeah. sounds like such a mafia family name that, like, I, I d- yeah. Figure out yeah. Thanks. <laughs> like, well, honestly, sometimes the spice is so much. I like it. I'll tell you, it's awful. Like, when I put it, it's fucking out my nose, and I can't even taste my nose. <laughs> Any of what you just said. I don't, I don't know, know anything of what you just said. But she's on Princess Wasissia. Yeah. And she's talking about, we have to figure out a way to kill all the Atreides. Come back around. We have to fucking, we, we, we need to get back in. So there's a new Did plot. somebody order a tiger? Or are we talking about? <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> they can talk? <laughs> Cut to the scene of like these two little kids. This is a pretty like, cool scene. It's a fun scene. It's uh-huh. these two little kids like, Nami, Nani, Nani. Yeah. Mommy, Nooney, like do an actual twin talk, mm-hmm. like on this like little thing, and then like oh, it pans over. I just this is how I do it in my mind. Yeah. It just pans over, and you just see tigers staring at him, right? Yeah. So they have these two tigers, and they have like microchips like in their brain. They're Laza tigers, L A Z A tigers, and they are specifically made, genetically developed, trainable tigers that have microchips in their brains that could be controlled by mole controls. It's fucking dope. absolutely yeah, so yeah. fucking sweet. But the thing is. In my mind, I imagine they have like cool robot hats on. Right. If I was directing it, they would have cool robot hats and on. like laser eyes. Something fun. Yeah. Not, it can't just be tigers. Right. I would like something in there, but I'm certain that Frank Herbert wants the microchips to be in their brain because then you would know that they are radio operated tigers if they had hats on. That I understand why you'd look for the stealth, but for me, I'm looking for design. Yeah. And so laser tigers, they're laying in wait, and you see the babies. <laughs> And then one of the Sarder Corps, he has like one of those big remote controls, like even back in the day when you used to have mm-hmm. the big like the, the racing cars. Like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the remote control lawnmower, yes. which we were all jealous of. I love that yeah, fucking how great remote. And I just love having a remote control. Yeah, a big one like yeah. that. Yeah. And then he clicks a button and Tiger's like, because they like groom each other, having sex with each other. And they look at the, the kids and they're like, it's eating time. And then you watch them like from afar in the scene, watch these two tigers just fucking eat these children. And Princess Winsissi <laughs> is like, yes fucking did it yes <laughs> and we're like why are they gonna do that and then you're like oh you notice oh it's a boy girl and a girl girl it's a what? boy child <laughs> and a, a girl child girl. a boy boy girl and a boy girl but it's, it's a you know it's yeah. a twins just like Leo and Ganema same I, age I made the like connection him. pretty quick you see yeah. yes you see I made it without any of that Frank extra. Herbert doesn't let you know so easily <laughs> It would have been cool if he was like, I'm not Paul. I'm a blind preacher named Randall. Yeah, it would like, be what? weird. Why? Like, <laughs> okay. He decided to fool us for no for reason. For no reason. We're just dealing with Randall all of a sudden. So finally, Jessica meets with Ganema. Now, you remember, this is back on the planet. So they're ready to go. So obviously, there is an assassination plot. Vet them. Jessica's still trying to figure them out. Yes. Yeah, so you now know there's an assassination plot that is going to happen going towards the twins, and it's coming from House Carino. You know that that's happening. Jessica finally meets with Ganema. Hasn't ever met Ganema, like, since she was born, because she was gone. Jessica was on Caladan. So it's the first time she's really in front of her grandbaby. Ganema does a good job of, that's why I like about about Ganema, she tries to keep, like, the peace a little bit, where she is trying to kind of pretend to still be a baby at the very top. Like, she does, like, you see, I have dolls, just like babies do. I have dolls, just like babies do. And Jessica's like, Stop saying like babies. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you are just, just being, no. Look, I like ice cream like a child does. Uh, oh, I wet my panties. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're, a, like you're eight. Baby First of all, would. that's too late. Yeah, it's too late to do that. Um, I I'm just wetting my panties because I know that it's fun to do. Um, so she's meeting with Nima. Uh, she's scared for 
her grandchildren, right? Because at first, Ganema thinks Jessica's just scared of her. And so Ganema's like, I can see your fear. Do you want to join me in the litany together? And they get to say their first litany together. The fear is the mind killer. Mm-hmm. They get to do it. And it's this like nice little, and Jessica's like, oh. But they, they talk about it because she's like, so what do you think? And Ganema's like, Aliyah's abomination, um, and we have to do something about yeah, it. We know about that. We all know um, that the break room and needs to be cleaned more regularly. That's we another could, issue as well. Uh, but the, the, the all those say the same thing because, like, they're like, "Why are you just meeting with me? Why didn't we also meet my brother?" Yeah, and like Jessica's like, "The thing is, your brother's also super fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> like he's also really weird, and he also makes me like hyper." nervous to be around him yeah and because then she realizes like all right for the first time she's like she's like he's not abomination because that's what ganina looks at it. she's like i've been wondering about lido too too it's like he's not abomination yeah he's something, he's something I else what, i don't know what that gonna be right because he keeps saying like super cryptic the crow like shit like i feel like i'm hanging out with brandon lee while he was shooting the crow when i hang out with him because yes. everything is like if i make it like just him saying like weird ass fateful shit. So Jessica's like, okay, for the first time I'm gonna be a real me because Benny Jesserit, you're supposed to walk around with a fucking mask on at all times because you're supposed to be total control of all of your emotions and, and and any experience that you have with anybody, be able to read them in a second. So she finally lets her hair down and Ganim is like, Grand Mimi, you're right there. And the two of them were like, oh, and it's the only real touching moment, right? And Children of Dune. But it's upsetting because she, of course, has um, a pair of wet underwear she's she's uh, wearing. So when they hug each other, it just gets urine it goes, all over. You know that? You ever hug somebody who's wet with urine? Ugh. We'll do it later. Um, they both say to each other, you know, there's like, there's a preacher, dude. Is that is that Paul? Because um, Lido too wants me to, like, my brother wants me to. Do you think that it's Paul? I don't know. Um, I mean, he's got every single... Attribute. Oh, we don't know. I don't know. He's sort Um, of in the desert um, and blind. And they're like, well, because she keeps saying the one thing that is weird, because this also comes up incest obviously is a part of a lot of different and a lot of weird shit. Yeah. This is when it kind of floated. Lido 2 is weirdly obsessed with Aaliyah and uh, both obsessed by her and obsessed. Uh, there's something kind of cooking going on. And they're like, okay, this is weird. Because I also remember in Dude Messiah, Paul has that moment when he first sees Aaliyah when she's nude training. When I talk about how I popped a bone in that. But the problem is that my bone covered the memory of it afterwards where Paul's like, I could tell by how sumptuous her body had become that she's almost ready to take a husband. Like, and you're like, well, you know, I never really thought about that about my sister in any way, shape, or form. Um, But I mean, you know, I'm not royal. Um, Ask these two. Princess Harry's probably been having sex with his cousins for Uh, years. Yeah, 100%. Um, But she looks at these two and she's like, okay, so Lita 2 is being weird. What I need to do is new plan, because the thing about Jessica is that even though she is a hardcore BG, she also is like famously like a rebel BG. Yeah, like she has fucked with the their bottom line a lot. So she's always kind of got a foot out the door with the Benny Jesserit, and she's like, "What I need to do is I need to separate the twins." Lido 2 needs special training. That's what he needs. So we're gonna get him his special training, and we're gonna fix all of this shit up. But I don't think we're we're gonna get there, Holden. Yeah, I don't think so. Because you know why? Why? Because the rest of the book happens. Yeah. Cut back to Aaliyah. Aaliyah, she doesn't want to be abomination. 
You made me like this, right. Mom. I didn't want to be like this. You have all of these scenes just constantly yeah. mulling she's and chewing cutter, over this. She's a cutter. She's doing all that stuff. Yes, because you remember when she first watched the Fremen Spice Orgy? Because that used to be a thing. Because that was also a question of like, how did Leto 2 and Ganema have all these priestian abilities? Well, it's because Chaney, when she was trying to beat the contraceptive that was put in her blood by Princess Irulan, they gave her an overabundance of natural CH foods that were filled with spice. So that's what kind of brought her all the way through and technically put her through a mini spice agony that gave her children the prescience that made them a potential to be abomination. So Aaliyah remembers how much spice was used Back in the day, and I forget they used to do those CH orgies, these like Fremen spice orgies where they would like, they, they would grow communally as a group by kind of having massive fuck parties with each other with a little bit of spice. And you could tell in the CH fuck parties is what she was talking yeah. about here is that she'd see people become momentarily possessed by their past lives and it's so annoying so it's just like burning man she comes back she can't stop talking about uh, it oh, oh my god oh you should have seen the spice orgies oh how they would transcend you're like i get it i'll fucking go next year but we're i just want to sit here and play video games but she talks she remembers all of this and she wonders like what do people do when you're struggling with this shit because Aaliyah's is basically saying which i do love this insight into her where she says like, I, number one, again, the I didn't ask to be born, but what happens when you're, number two, your mom is a big up in the Benny Jess Red. One of their main things is they're hyper afraid of abomination, at least the concept of abomination. How do you go to your mom, who's a big muckety muck in the BG, and say, I'm struggling with, with abomination. Yes, I'm yeah. struggling. How do I beat it? How do it's I stop a, it? It is so the rich family with the one like heroin addict daughter. Yes. Thing. Okay, and also what I the way I equate it too is like we've talked a little bit on uh, the show on the last podcast on the left about the idea of like how does a kid tell their parents that they're having homicidal fantasies? Yeah. Or like that kind of shit where it's like no one wants to hear it because they know that as soon as you say like I think I might be abomination. You technically have to go to BG jail. Like, you have out, to be taken out. I came out as a serial killer. To, actually, we wrote a sketch about it. Uh, we've wrote and filmed a sketch about yes. coming out as coming a serial, out killer, as a serial to killer your to your parents. Because now she is a, Aaliyah's been married to Duncan Idaho. She's control of the Regency. She has all this kind of shit. She, she's looking for advice. She doesn't know what to do. She's lost. She doesn't have the prescience that her brother had. Like, she doesn't have this kind of shit. So she turned to her previous lives for advice. Uh, but I do love this whole Sinsuni phrase that they use, which is, you know, leaving the ladder, you never know. One may fall upward. <laughs> which I don't even know. If that I don't works. know if that's... Um, also talks about being covered in worms. Uh -huh. And so she just looks to trying, she looks into her past trying to figure out, will someone please listen to me? Who do I listen to? All these voices come up because what we also find out is you're not actually talking to these dead people. When you view your memories, you're talking to your collective unconscious recalling of the memory of this person. So actually their memory becomes its own kind of entity it becomes mm. like a not a tulpa because it doesn't pop into real life but it becomes its own thing that reflected off of your views of them too so when you speak to a memory and while you're dealing with your past lives you're kind of talking to the real person like what you know from your t being able to tap into the collective unconscious of that real person but also how you treat that memory, it starts to inform itself and work its way into your own personality, which is how you become possessed. Mm -hmm. So 
in that swirl of voices, there's this very familiar voice that comes through. It's like, oh, 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 oh. She's like, who's that fat man? In yeah. There? This sounds that? like a man struggling to put on pants. <laughs> um, and he says, who materializes? Baron Harkonnen. Which we've said this 15 billion times. 800. Yeah. Baron Harkonnen yeah. shows up and he's like, and the first thing he says like, listen, I will help you. But you must allow me to step forward into your personality when you're making love. Ugh. So he first thing he's just like just he just wants to feel what it's like. It's very, very upsetting. Horny. And yeah. he just basically wants to feel like what it's to have like big breasts. But it's like, man, you have breasts. Just play with them yourself. Yeah. As a big boy, I got I got I'm a big titty boy. You play with your own breasts when you're lonely. Right. Well, and he you know, he wants that side dick. He wants to feel it. Because apparently the female orgasm is supposed to be nice. I couldn't tell you what it's like. I can't, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> um, so he's he gives her some advice. He's like, listen, listen to me. This is just this is impermanent, right? He's, this is not even a big deal. So he's You're like every Hollywood advice. manager. Uh, it's, this is just a, a. This is an exploratory. I, how do I say this is an elevator pitch? All, all we're doing here is we're just sitting the groundwork. We're P to P. What I need you to do. I like, you do to start fucking Javid, right? Like that priest. Yeah. He's like, you got to start fucking him, bring him in, use him as your tool. Then you discard him when he's not needed, much like I did Peter. And then what I'll do is, every single time you need to do something like nasty, but you don't like to do it, I'll do it for you. Because mm. he, she's like, well, he's going to tell other people if we start fucking. And he's just like, oh, you never get to that point. You kill him as you're fucking him. And she's just like, whoa, you're fucking being That's all kinky. Like yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. But she's not into it. Like, she doesn't necessarily into it, but he's like, I'll do the nasty shit for you. You won't even have to remember. I'll just come forward and do it. And she went, hmm, okay. What's he getting out of the dicking? Feeling what it's like to have a human body and what it's like to get and be getting dicked. Just carnal lust. We, I mean, that's what it is. There's a lot more book to go through. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. For over 130 years... McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. So cut to, we find out a little bit about Jukarutu. Jakarutu is a place where people, uh, basically it was the Siech, where people did live, to old friend group that were purposely killing a bunch of people to get their water. They would go and kill actual, just normal Fremen and steal their water. They were like homicidal, aggressive water murderers. And this is all this shit's very interesting because because it cuts to Maurice, who's is one of the last dudes who's still living in Chukurutu. They're very crazy. Uh, these people are they're paying for guides, right? Because now people are paying for guides to go into the deep desert just to learn what it's like to feel like they're going on religious vacations. It's and like then going when they show to, up, it's like going to Colonial Williamsburg. Yes, they are doing it. They're going to the old sketches, <laughs> but then some of these old sketches like have these like 
renegade Fremen just living in there because the Fremen are sick of the religion of Maud Deep. The deep desert Fremen miss the old ways. And these are guys that are still trying to do this kind of shit. They get caught. These people on religious vacations, they get caught by these fucking hardcore Fremen who purposely kill people for their water for revenge for what happened at Jukarutu. And it turns out these group of dudes also bring up the preacher for some reason. So the preacher's kind of like making his way around the planet very, very quickly. So Lido 2 and Ganema, they have to figure out what to do. So they do this thing that they call the parent game where they allow their mommy and daddy to come forward a little bit so they could speak to each other, right? Yeah. It's, it's the first time. Then we see the he happens to say a thing called the golden path. What's that? Like yeah, they okay. said that he's going to do this Finally, thing. Finally, we so, get to the concept of the golden path. We're yeah, not yeah. there yet. Well, you just, I mean, the actual mentioning the of term, the term. It's coming path. forward. Leto 2 lets Paul come through. They have to like fight each other. So they see each other for the first time as dead memories, right? Like Paul and Cheney see each other as memories for the first time. And they realize this immediately. It's like the scene in Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg. It's a little bit. So they ask him, because the whole idea is, what they want to do is they need some advice from their parents. They want to figure out how do we avoid what happened to Aaliyah? How do we stop it from happening? And they're like, should we go into the spice trance? It's like, how should we do it? And um, Paul comes through Leto 2 and says, there's no certainty. You saw what almost happened with me. And then they're like, but Aaliyah. And he's like, the Baron has her. They're like, oh, God, it's, oh, God. He's like, but listen, he's in you, too. He's in all of you. But I, we cannot, sometimes we sense each other, but you. And then Leto's like, can you not read my thoughts, Daddy? Would you know, then, if he, if he, and he's like, sometimes I can feel your thoughts, but I, we'd only live through the reflection of your awareness. Your memory creates us. The danger is a precise memory. Those are the dangers. And you, those, those of us, those of who, who love power and gathered at any price, those can be more precise. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sweet as hell. And then Paul leaves him. So Lita 2 is left. But Chaney's still inside Ganema. And he has to be like, get out, Ma! You get out of your fucking, get out of her, Ma! I hate you, Ma! <laughs> like, he has to do this, like, fighting, screaming right. at her until the mother leaves. It's actually pretty sweet. <laughs> but now they are doing what's called the toil of the shadoof. These are the types of words. No, let's don't fucking laugh at me. <laughs> Don't you fucking laugh at me? Because the toil of Sudoof is the little things that one must do in order to shore up your personality. It's toil of the Sudoof is like the when you cut the the, the head of this sketch's like butt hair. It's the the maintaining of the water sphincters. Mm. It's the maintaining of the different all of the safeties of the sketch. It's the little. Why things. do they do? What do they do in this? It's little things, the chores okay. that you do. Sure, but you're actually doing it in the name of God. Okay. It's the toil of the Shadoof. It Ugh. means a lot. Don't you fucking... Because that's what their plan is. Mm. Their plan is the toil of the Shadoof. What? <laughs> what they realize that what they have to do... Every sentence they, they have a little less plan. than the last Children of Dune. That's this, this, this <laughs> section of Children of Dune. Because he knows that what they have to do is very specific. That's kind of what his inkling of what the Golden Path is. It's the toil of the Shadoof. Right here. He'd call the plan agricultural work of a very menial kind. Fertilizing, irrigating, weeding, transplanting, pruning. Yet with the Fremen implication that this labor occurred simultaneously in another world, where it symbolized cultivating the richness of the soul. And then he tells Ganema of a dream he had. I am on sand in bright yellow daylight, yet there is no sun. Then I realize that I am the sun. My light shines out as a golden path. When I realize this, I move out of myself. I turn, expecting to see myself as the sun, but 
I am not the sun. I am a stick figure, a child's drawing with zigzag lightning lines for eyes, stick legs and stick arms. There is a scepter in my left hand, and it's a real scepter, much more detailed in its reality than the stick figure which holds it. The scepter moves. This terrifies me. As it moves, I feel myself awakened, yet I know I'm still dreaming. I realize then that my skin is encased in something. An armor which moves as my skin moves. I don't know anything about that. I cannot see this armor, but I feel it. My terror leaves me then, for this armor gives me the strength of 10,000 men. Yeah, that's very cool. Yes, the uh, the uh, uh, acknowledging a potential exoskeleton in our future. Um, and also, there she says the Drew, and then Ganema like turns him, and she's like, uh, "I'm not gonna have your fucking children." Because that's the first thing that shows I'm up. Like, you, I'm not gonna fuck you, bro. Yeah, and he's and like, he's, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, we're not going to exoskeleton." Whoa, but it is a thing they do because it it does it gets floated now quite a right. bit. This idea of like back in the day, if you wanted to cinch up the family line, your brother and sister fuck each other. That's extra family. Again, a lot of managers, a lot of agents getting together, being like but what if you did actually fuck each other you're like i'm not gonna i do don't want to do it i don't care um, if it's for charity i'm not gonna do it cut back to seleucus segundus faradine faradine is princess Wincessia's son he is technically the next in line for the house carino he's the dude they want to make emperor yeah and he shows up and basically he's like he's actually not into being emperor kind of yeah. he's like a gadfly he's like a funny dude and he's, he's got a helicopter mom as fuck with, fuck uh, with, with such a name? stage mom yeah, right yeah and he's just like oh fuck it i just want to be a he wants to be a scientist but guess who shows up in seleucus segundus the fucking preacher because they had to find a dude For some reason somehow this preacher just keeps popping up because he cool needed scene. a they needed a dream interpretation for him because he has this crazy dream that I actually don't particularly understand what it's about, that his dream is about. But basically, the preacher's like, I understand what your dream means. And they're like, okay, what does your dream mean? What does it mean? We need to know if he's telling the future, if he has any sort of prescience like the, the like Paul has, or like maybe, you know, because everyone's has, every king has a dream interpreter. And the preacher is like, I know what it means, but I'm not going to tell you. And they're like, what? What? And he's just like, no, I know, I know what it means. And I can tell you, I'm not Paul. I'm not going to tell you uh, what it means, but um, now I know what that dream means, and I'm going to use it for Peace me. Out. Yeah, I'm piecing out. And- I'm going to leave, but guess what? Now that you've included me, I got you Duncan Idaho. He's actually going to help you. And they're like, what the fuck are you? How is Duncan Idaho going to fucking help us? What are you fucking talking about? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you all soon. And they're like, Okay, you're real skinny. Aren't you blind? How'd you get in here? Like, honestly, how'd you find? How do you just find all of this shit? I'm not Paul Hall. Yeah, that's go, the we first know that. thing you need to know. And those kids ain't gonna fuck. Okay, so stop even thinking about that either. I don't know because what he says here, I love this quote from the preacher. It's another quote: "Governments may rise and fall for reasons which appear insignificant, Prince. What small events? What small events? An argument between two women." Which way the wind blows on a certain day, a sneeze, a cough, the link of a garment, or the chance collision of a fleck of sand and a courtier's eye? It is not always the majestic concerns of imperial ministers which dictates the course of history, nor is it necessarily the pontifications of priests which moves the hand of God. Yeah. Sorry I did that. It actually is bad for sound. <laughs> so now Leto II, again, he's not going to join the prescience. He tells Jessica, this is like one of my favorite fucking scenes 
in the book. So this. So is, finally, Jessica decides to sit down with Leto too. Yeah. I'm like ping ponging back and forth, yeah. which is just the plot of the book. But I am just but, doing but the plot of the book. This is this is essentially one of the early versions of Leto, just kind of blowing the mind of the person that they're talking to. And in this case, it's Jessica, and she thinks she's in control at first, and then quickly finds out that she has Zippo control. In Absolutely. This and, he, and Leto is the dude who knows what the fuck's going on. Leto too shows up. He says, "Aaliyah's coming for you." He knows we, he, she's coming for you. You're definitely about to be dead. You're definitely um, going to get yourself kidnapped. There's nothing you can do about that. It's like we're in this situation <laughs> where it's, he's, he's he says the term all the water is in one cistern, mm-hmm. which is all of the Atreides line is in one building right now. They're going to come for all of us in one go. He says that there's this he blows her mind because she's just like because he's like this impudent like weird dude and she keeps kind of being like what's his deal? She says I know for a fact that the BG is going to try to make us fuck. He's going to try to make me and my sister fuck. And, and she was like, Dude, that's disgusting. That, that's, that, that would never possibly happen. And then Leto 2 is like, why do you think you can trust the Bene Gesserit? And she's like, oh, well, you don't understand the aims of the Bene Gesserit. Oh, they're, they're nice. But then Leto 2 is like, you've always been one of their tools. And then he uses voice on Jessica that she's never had voice used on her. And her whole body like, he makes her look into the past using her voice. And he says, what you're going to do is you're going to get purposefully abducted. That's what you're going to do. You're going to this the plot's going to go down. You're going to know what I mean when it happens. And it's going to go down and you're going to do it. And meanwhile, she just, it actually fucking breaks her down because she does realize, oh, wow. Using just the tools that have just generally at the whims of the Bene Gesserit, I am still just their tool. No matter what, their training is built into my fucking, my entire nervous system. So he just showed me, they could tell me whatever they fucking want. And I'm going to kind of, I'm now, I've willfully entered back into being a weapon for the Bene Gesserit and didn't understand like, yeah, of course, whatever they told me is going to be bullshit. I'm going to have to do it, whatever. I'm, I am just a piece of a larger plan within plans within plans. Uh, but then he also floats this idea too. Well, someone needs to live forever and hold a line though. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> Again? Because I Nothing, also- never mind. My, my favorite quote from the Children of Dune, to claim absolute knowledge is to become monstrous. Mm. Knowledge is an unending adventure at the edge of uncertainty. She's just like- all right, you're eight. All right, either way. All right. Um, Stop using the voice, zombie. Preacher's back. He comes back from Sluice Segunda somehow. I don't know how. Apparently, the Space Guild is hiding him. They, yeah. they know something. Everybody, Everybody's plotting. The whole... Aaliyah has not done a good job. Preacher's straight up Steve Urkel. It's just, did I do that? He is just doing... Literally, people are <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. He shows up into in front of the palace because that's the other thing. No one's moving to kill him. Aaliyah keeps trying to say like, "We got to kill him. We got to do it privately. We can't do it in public because then he's going to be a martyr." The, there's a lot of martyr play happening here. Who's going to die? Because Jessica also there's a wondering of like, why didn't they just shoot her in the fucking head? It's like, well, it's because she it will be a martyr. It will. Be, you have to find a way to trick everybody to think that it's accidental. The preacher shows back up. He starts running around because now he's got his gauze mask on. And he's screaming, let the myths grow, but keep doubt alive. Aaliyah watches from above. People already know that these people are like, who's this fucking guy? Everybody be trying to beat this guy up, right? But all of a sudden, she's watching everybody kind of feel like the preacher's the real deal. Uh, Aaliyah's rapidly losing power. Everything's falling apart. All of these people are, are plotting against her. They want Jessica to be on the council. The, the 
preacher is wormed into the entire group's heads. Like, they're all asking about the preacher. They're all saying, is he Paul? Is he Paul? Because they know that if it is Paul, Aaliyah's not in charge anymore because Paul would be in charge. But obviously, the preacher is not going to be in charge because the preacher is basically saying, look at these fools, yeah. this bloated bullshit. They've lost track of what the Maudib even wanted in the first place. Which is kind of cool to become your own critic in the end, where you get to go back into the comment section and then right. fuck with yourself yeah. 10 years after the fact. Literally what he's doing. Yeah, he's being 4chan right now. Yes. Everyone's really upset. Um, Princess Irulan hits this thing when this meeting where she's like, we've lost the power to think well of ourselves. So have we forgotten that we are the ones that set the currents flowing? Which is for me, anybody who's an artist, that's actually pretty good for you to know. Yeah. Which is this concept of like, everything's falling apart. We've lost the center of what we used to. We used to have like a thing we all believed in and we don't anymore. And this preacher is saying that to our faces and the preacher delivers four messages that they're all watching. He's like, one to Aaliyah. You have sold your future for an empty purse. To Stilgar, the most dangerous creation is a rigid code of ethics. Irulan, you got to get the fuck off the planet. <laughs> he's like, you got to go. Because Aaliyah had already been thinking when she's like, oh my God, how did he know I actually was just planning on killing Princess yeah. Irulan? Yeah. Um, and then Duncan Idaho, history is impelled by whatever passes for money. You take your horns and you do what you do best. Which is also like, again, how is he talking to all these people directly? Yeah. In this love, love is line. And he says, holiness in this galaxy has replaced love. Uh, and they, what happened is, is that that holiness in this galaxy has replaced love, and that because of that, they court the vengeance of the desert. The fifth element. Don't do this! <laughs> Every, you know, and the preacher says all the things everyone he knows. He's, they become a mockery of themselves because Maudib had kept trying to tell everybody he's not just a god. He's not a god. He's a guy. I'm just this guy. I um, then basically, he yada yada himself into becoming a godhead. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, honestly, that sounds like it was easy for you. Um, they also have like some really good quotes about like the actual politics inside of Dune that I wonder if it's boring for people. But this I feel like is one of those, if you're a Civ head like me, or if you're like one of those people who's actually really interested in global domination, there's this really fun thing that the Benny Jesserits talk about the problems society has and how to control people. A large populace held in check by a small but powerful force is quite a common situation in our universe, and we know the major conditions wherein this large populace may turn upon its keepers. One, when they find a leader. This is the most volatile threat to the powerful. They must retain control of leaders. Two, when the populace recognizes its chains, keep the populace blind and unquestioning. Three, when the populace perceives a hope of escape from bondage, they must never even believe that escape is possible. Mm. Ralph Nader. Yeah, I, I mean, and you know. I just said the words Ralph Nader, it means nothing. Yeah, and Frank Herbert always talks about how he, he Nixon was his favorite president because Nixon gave uh, the population doubt in government. Yes, he liked the idea. Well, he, we think, you know, Frank Herbert probably was a libertarian. Yeah, um, he was very outwardly. Uh, he he liked any any clear sign like Watergate was such a clear sign of total uh, corruption, corruption in, inside the government. So he liked to make people question the government again. Um, but now that's what's happening is that they have birthed because of their ineptness at, of running their own civilization. They have birthed a new messiah guy that is coming out and he's going to fuck with everybody. But this also reminds me of the scene of uh, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. <laughs> 
what's the buzz <laughs> telling me what's happening like this is all jesus christ superstar yeah, to me totally where now you have the new jesus on the scene mm-hmm. and the old people that have become the man because now Elias become the man yeah. this giant fucking theocracy bullshit now you have to kill this new messiah mm-hmm. but is it my bubble because now they got pills that actually make you hold your moisture now which they also do i don't know if they do that now because i know there's a modium but that helps holding your shit but okay, so now back to Leto 2. Leto 2's being weird. Leto 2 makes again, he makes Stilgar hang out with him all night. He says, this is where I might die. Uh, Leto says there's three paths that he sees for the future. One where he kills Jessica. That he has to quote unquote restore the spice monopoly. Don't know what that means. Right. One where he has to fuck Ganema. And the last one is the one where he just, he needs to discredit his father entirely um and this is where we see that first mention of the atreides motto which i love which is the here i am here i remain because people keep saying that atreides have this ability to just always be there yeah but he again tells stilgar don't trust alia because stilgar's head's just rolling he's like okay whatever the hell you want um he he just does just do whatever the fuck you want to do leto says if i die out here meanwhile he has no clue what he's talking about he's like you need to run away with ganema you need to take care of her and then he lays this line on him where he says have you noticed still how beautiful the young women are this year and stilgar's like yeah fucking whatever but stilgar's troubled because he realizes that 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 fremen their limitations were what made them. The Fremen were always survivors, um, but they were kind of also put into a corner. They've been confined by how hard their lives are. They were forced to only care about just their basic needs. They All they needed to do was think about, and this is a little bit about class too, this class thought in here. They were forced to just have like, how do I eat? How do I sleep? And that was the only thing that they could focus on they did not have time to think up and look beyond the sketch because he he did look at the beautiful girls that's what he was saying it's like it's like look at all of these like they're dewy with moisture they look up to the skies they have this like view that the universe it can be achieved like you can go out you can lead but a part of it is you also lose something too like you lose like the grit that they had right uh because leod keen's they were kept in this like little confined area as mm. Fremen. This is how Stilgar views the world and leadership. Yeah. yeah, they got soft. But Leot Keynes, his idea of terraforming was supposed to be like for 45 generations. Yeah. It was another extended fantasy. It was always just this thing that was going to happen in the future. But it's happening at a very fast pace now. Shit is really, really changing. And what Leto 2 was trying to do to Stilgar, just being like, you need to open your mind, bro. Like, you, it's time. We are now, it's like, you have to look to the universe because you're about to be in charge of a bunch of shit. Then you have to start thinking like me, essentially, or like question your bullshit. Because when it comes down to it, you want everything to stay the same. Like, Stilgar rules from tradition. That's what he keeps saying. Like, this idea of like, the way it always was. But... If we don't make the future something that we want it to, we will never really have control. Like we have to make our future. Paul followed this track of the future that he was locked into. Yeah. It's like, but we have to make it. And the way we do it is like, cause the change is gonna come, Stilgar. I know you want your sketch to all be the same and have everything be simple and you think that everything should be simple, but it's coming whether you like it or not. Yeah. Instead of looking inward and essentially hiding, you someone has to look outward and face it. And that's the interesting evolution of the family line, right? So you have original Leto who just sort of was the sacrificial lamb for He's uh, just for trying the to government. fucking be a good guy. Uh Paul who's like following this one 
preconceived path, this one prescient path, and then this is the final, it's essentially, again, the story of the Buddha, like, I, oh, okay, reincarnation, life is constant suffering, uh, but Lido 2 is the first one to be like, or we can hit Nirvana, we can get off of this fucking cyclone well, and we'll go bring the a- right way and go, go, you know, and in terms of Buddhism, it's Nirvana and leaving that, that We'll finally cycle. bring peace. Yeah. There'll be true him, peace. Yeah, true peace. Uh, whether people want it or not. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Uh, the, you should read, I want to just say you should read page 128 of my version of Children of Dune, the, the one that comes in the big pack, because it does, ex- there is one page that describes all of the politics that happened mm. in the Dune world. And it's difficult for me to read it again. I could read it if you want, but it's it's stuff like, oh, I realized that they didn't, um, they do have an explanation here of like why force shields were used in atomics, how it Atomics are essentially supposed to be hoarded by various family houses in order to not be used on each other, but to be used to face an oncoming other alien threat if mm. it ever shows up out mm-hmm. of the universe, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because that's what Reagan said. Yeah. That's what Reagan said. We unite everybody, which is why I still think they will eventually do some form of um, hologram Forced fake invasion on invasion. here in order to bring in the new yeah, world yeah. order. But we're not there yet. But I, I can't even get into this this politics shit because it's actually very, very difficult. <laughs> Aaliyah tells Duncan, they're coming back to Aaliyah. Aaliyah's fucking freaking out. She tells Duncan that everybody's calling me abomination. And the reason why she flips it on Duncan, because this is another weird thing that Jessica has an inkling of, like when she met with Leto 2. When Leto 2 said that thing about living forever, she was like, uh, don't talk like that. Aaliyah says, the reason why people are calling me abomination is because everyone keeps remarking about how she has not aged a day. Right? They're all saying that she looks preternaturally too good. And what she reveals is that Benny Gesserit actually have the ability to live forever if they want to, up to mm-hmm. a point. And that a Benny Gesserit actually has to let herself age. And that's what Jessica has done. Jessica has allowed herself to age, which is brave in Hollywood. <laughs> but she went to, she's saying the reason why people hate me is because they I, hate me. They could exactly. They, it's the truth, but also they think that it's because I'm keeping myself young forever. It's not because I'm Baron Harkonnen. It's not because I'm the Baron. supple flesh. Um, what was that? What was that? Um, Duncan knows she's an abomination. Uh, everybody knows she's an abomination, but her. Uh, she also tells Duncan that people are going to try to kill her, even though Duncan knows. Oh, this is the twins. This is going to not be good. He knows for a fact that this is all of this shit is falling apart. Stilgar is trying to run around with these twins before all of this shit happens. He kind of reminds me of like a butler from an Olsen twins movie trying uh-huh. to control these two psychic child and emperors. Actually, they remind me of the Olsen. I was going to make an Olsen twins. Yes, uh, yes, it is. Them. But he does say this thing where he's like, how do you discipline a child who is like does not fear death? And has lived a million lives. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be like uh, uh, grounding Billie Eilish. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do with her? The thing about Jessica is that they keep talking about what it's like, how they knew what it was like for Duke Leto to fuck her. Like, they keep, like, saying stuff like this. And Ganima is like, the reason why we're doing this, we're just always talking about your teddy's mom. The reason why we're talking about how gushy your pussy is, mom, is because we want you to always remember we're not babies. Yeah. Like, we think your thoughts. You need to know it. Um. We're not we're like almost, you. We're not like you. Mom and dad have sex. We're like, uh, we. I remember the sex. comes. Yeah. I remember each come. And guys, just know that we're gonna end this episode very soon. But we're only halfway through Children of Dune, so right. we're gonna pick it up. In of the course. Episode. Well, we were never going to actually. Um, but I do love this this song here. Um, because what I'm saying, like Ganema says, this like, this this concept of like Stilgar's fear, dear Still. You know, our father was his quote-unquote doctor of beasts and still was no more than the green snail hidden in his shell. And then she said, she just started singing the song. Like, I guess she just made it up. 
O doctor of beasts, to a green snail shell, with its timid miracle, hidden awaiting death, you come as a deity. Oh, even snails know that gods obliterate and cures bring pain. The heaven is seen through a door of flame. Oh, doctor of beasts, I am the man snail. Why are we talking about fucking snails? Man snails do children of dune, fucker. No, bro. I don't fucking need to hear you, man. Why does it have a green shell? I don't even need to know why it has a green shell. I don't know why. I went deep into the man snail song. I just something I snails wanted to read. Snails in a half shell. Snail power. <laughs> um, there's a whole scene where um, they have like a big group council meeting where they try to talk about the business and the politics of where the Benny Gesserit is hiding their secret motives. But I don't understand. At one point, they give them all pillows to hit each other with it's while they say thing. what they need from there's each other. There's this whole scene where Chome and the Landsrad are like, they talk about how like they could follow the money. It's a whole follow the money scene. Um, but the only thing I care about is they talk about how they have house ferrets. That are trained to kill beasts. Not interesting. You know, ferrets people think are really cute, but they're actually really stinky. They're really very stinky. Yeah. Um, but Duncan, they're all talking about how Aaliyah is going to ask Duncan straight up. I need you to kidnap my mom. Uh, we got to set this up. She kind of goes like, and if you murder her, wink, 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 wink. That wouldn't be the worst thing on the face of the planet. Mm. Duncan's heartbroken because he will never move against an Atreides. He'll always be Atreides. Yeah. And uh, Duncan knows at the same time, because Aaliyah's like, they're going to try and kill me. They're going to try and kill me. Oh, look at my breaths, Duncan. They're going to try and kill me. And he's like, I know they're coming to kill the twins. You are completely wrong. They got these gifts of tunics from House Carino. And everyone's just like, this is incredible. Um, but the tunics are the same tunics that were put on the children that were eaten by those laser tigers. So you know for a fact that those tunics are actually markings for whatever these laser tigers are supposed to do. They're coming for him. Out of nowhere, uh, Jessica has the adab, the far memory, where she starts to realize she also realizes the plan that they're going to destroy the makings of the spice on Dune. And then the reason why they're going to destroy, the, he, she fills out the final piece of, oh, that's what it is. Aaliyah's going to, using Harkonnen's ideas, is going to destroy the spice on planet Dune in order to make it so the final stores of spice that exist in the universe are only on Arrakis mm. and they can fully leverage power against the whole world because Aaliyah knows the fucking circle is tightening and people are sick of her being this ultimate godhead, mm. which kind of sexist too because they're fine when it was Paul. Well, yeah, she's just clearly shitty and evil too. So now we're at the end of the, this is the middle of Children of Dune. We're going to be ending here. It's just like a couple little splits off. Um, they know they're going to be attacked by tigers. Yeah. The little kids, children know they're going to be attacked by they're tigers. They're looking they, forward to it. They think it's cool. They, they think can't it's wait. The little boy, the, the children run. The, the Leto 2 and Ganema run into the desert. Mm -hmm. They are, they're going to stage it. <laughs> Jessica gets uh, openly shot at at yeah. the council meeting where she shows up at the council meeting. She just like flips out of her chair. Dude just shoots the back of it. Aliyah's like, what happened? <laughs> Um, that's fucking doesn't do anything. That yeah. doesn't make sure like that Jessica feels good. Jessica's now the Fremen have now fully split from the church mm -hmm. at the very end where she is now Jessica had to run away with a bunch of Fidakin, like the old super soldiers that used to work with Paul, like her old sons, old fucking like dirty dog boys, yeah. right? So she's hiding with them. Um meanwhile, kids are gone. Ganema shows back up, tigers attack, 
looks like Lita 2 might have gotten... Did he get away? Yes, no, he did. He, yeah, he ran all? away. Yeah, he definitely yeah. ran. We know he ran away, but Ganema has to hypnotize herself into believing... That is such a cool part of the book. Yes, that Lito 2 has gone. She is goes through a deep hypnosis on herself yep. to convince herself that she knows that so that she can pass any test uh, given to truth her. Truth Any truth, yeah, any truth seer, whatever person can be like, she means it. She means it. And then, so the twins, they've been separated. Lito 2 is out in the desert doing something. Jessica gets kidnapped finally by Duncan Idaho, but she knows that this is the moment that Lito 2 has been asking yes. for her to obey. You know, she's part, it's all part of the plan. Part of the, part of the plan. <laughs> and so she's off to Seleucus Segundus to do what? Train Faradine, same way that she was supposed to train Paul. Wiggle your little toe. We uh, And so this is the middle of Children of Dune. It's a lot of stuff, right? Well, yeah, it is. I think it's a small amount of things. Well, we're going to get to the end. <laughs> we're going to get to the end of the book, which I think is my single favorite moment in book history. Uh, it's really um, great. I really love it. I love yeah where we're going to get to in the next episode and really getting more in depth in terms of because I want to personally rehash Leto's journey from this point of the book on because it is such a whirlwind. It is a whirlwind. And uh, and it just kind of happens at you. I sort of knew what was going on after a little while, but at first you're like, what the fuck is this? And then it just becomes this awesome superhero story thing at the end a little bit. the fucking best shit on the face of the planet what we all should look forward to Well, again, no one asked him if he has a penis or not, and then he says no. That happens next book. That's the next book. Besides that. Because if everyone has to question, (laughs) come in the gun and like, am I not doing my job? I thought everyone, can everybody talk about how big he is? Oh, he's a 40-foot worm. Oh, how big I am. I only only want to know. Every time I laugh in response because if I did it, I'd cry. (laughs) He's sad. We'll get to it. We'll get to that. Um, We don't need to get into that right now. But yes, here we are, uh, halfway through Children of Dune, and the end of this episode, the... uh Six. We've yeah, done. Episode six. Thank you for being here for LPN Deep Dives Dune, uh, only on Spotify. You know that because you're listening to it on Spotify. Listen to the other shows uh, uh, that are on the LPN are. network. Listen, Let's, we have to go through each one. Last yes. podcast on the left, mm-hmm. Wizard and the Bruiser, mm-hmm. page seven. Pop History, which is ensconced within page seven. A Lincoln's Top Hat, kind of fun. Some place underneath. Your pretty face is going to hell is on Adult Swim. Brighter um, side. Not anymore. Um, uh, brighter side. And the uh, No Dogs in Space. For, uh, pay, uh, I just always face. doing lots of plugs. I will say, too, I never plug my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Please come check it out. Twitch. Monday, TV. Tuesday, Friday night st- uh, streams. It's always fun. Twitch.tv slash Last Podcast Network. We are right with you. And we don't overlap. Yeah. We, we don't overlap. We, we don't We got Thursday night shows. We got Saturday afternoon shows. And we got Tuesday on the Patreon. Unbelievable. So, yeah, you, you Can't try wait. It out. Masturbate. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. We now join Jessica, Aaliyah, Lido 2, and Ganima at a nice lunch at the Imperial Palace. Hi, it's me. It's your Nana, Jessica. Now, I know I've been gone for 20 years, but I'm just back to check in. I don't have some ulterior motive. I'm not trying to get the twins to have sex with each other. What? Just ignore it, Ganima. It's been a long trip, and my horses are winning. Talking about my feet, uh... I just want to enjoy a nice meal. 
with my family and maybe find out some kind of imminent secret that I can take back to my organization. Whoa! Whoa! Aaliyah! Did you just try to kill me? I'm a million years old. I only look like I'm eight. Yeah, I got the memo when you told me 12 times ago. Could you please pass me that pile of raw hamburger meat? Aaliyah, um, what's up with your voice? Uh, oh, I went to karaoke last night, so long night. Hmm. Okay, well, it just sounds like you're kind of becoming a big old fat like the Baron Harkonnen. I don't sound like him at all. I barely met him just that one time when I killed him. I don't even remember what he looks like. Is he fat or skinny or is he tall? Yeah, sure. You don't know him. You don't know what the Baron Harkonnen looks like. Sure, absolutely. There's literally murals of him everywhere. (laughs) I don't even know what a mural is. I can't believe I just told everyone I'm a million years old and also a boy and everyone just blew on past that. We got it already. Good lord, yeah. Heard that story. What a mind blower. Yeah, we know. Yeah, it is a mind blower. I know everything. Yeah, uh, well, come talk to me when you turn into some kind of worm god or whatever. Oh, I fucking will. Enough! Listen, it's me, Kanima, the sensible one. The only one not trying to control the universe or kill anyone or make me have sex with my brother. Look, I want to have one nice, sensible, cordial, fun lunch. Also, my brother and I got this fun gift earlier today. It's a couple of tigers. I'm sure it's not going to completely fuck our bullshit later on. Come on in, guys. At this moment, two lazy tigers enter the room. Hey, what's going on, you party animals? Hey, that's right. We can talk. They train us to do many things. Not to kill a boy, of course. Because that would be not a fun afternoon, right? That's no funsies. Honestly, it'd ruin the birthday party. And hey, you know what they also taught us how to do? Taught us how to sing. So we'd like to do a little presentation for you guys. Honestly, it's great to be here. Love lunch. Love it. Love seeing a family enjoy a friendly lunch. Herb, hit it. Like a tiger, rawr, waiting to eat a pair of twins. Like a tiger, I'm hungry for some twins. I'm going to go eat in my room. Grandkids, I'll probably never see you again. I know what our grandfather looked like when he had sex with you. Great lunch, everybody. Aaliyah? Aaliyah? Earth to Aaliyah? Where is she? I mean, yeah, that's me. I'm not going to do her voice, but you get the idea. Your skin looks terrible. Do you know that? You're changing? You're physically changing? How dare you? I, okay. You know what? Bye. Goodbye. Like a tiger. Fucking eating. You and you. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say we were trained to kill these twits. Absolutely. 100% going to be killing those twits. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, 
Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch. When it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.